There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. What is up? It is me, Ewan, from What Culture Today, joined by Zoe Miss Kelly. Still Zoe. And Simon Gallagher. Hello. Because the other week, we did a big old list to celebrate Batman's 80th birthday. I don't know how he's still fighting crime at such a... An old age, but hey, he's still doing it. I'm looking so good. Yeah, exactly. And we thought we'd list off the 80 greatest Batman moments of all time. It's a wonderful list on whatculture.com. You can go check it out right now. But because there are so many entries, and it'd be quite difficult to make that into a, just a normal list in YouTube form, we thought we'd just talk about our favorite Batman moments of all time and kind of why we put them on the list and, you know, kind of take it that way. So we've come up with about three each from the list. Um, There might be a little bit of crossover, but probably not. And, you know, me and Zoe obviously coming more from comics, Sai coming more from film. We've got a nice little hodgepodge different moments to talk about. So who wants to take away it first? Do you want to go first, Sai? Okay. Yeah? I want to give a shout out to my homies. Um, (laughs) To um, the Batman Returns Mega Drive game. It's not one of my top moments, but mm. everybody talks about Batman video games, mostly talk about the Arkham games, and that's the end of the conversation. Um, but there's things like Injustice is, is good, but back before any tie-in games were any good, Sega and lots of other different companies, I'm not going to go into how complex the development was because it's boring, <laughs> made a, a, a sort of Streets of Rage style Batman Returns, and it's still amazing. There you go. I remember the, there was the Angry Video Game Nerd, he did a few things in the old Batman games. I remember the, the first Batman tie-in game was meant to be pretty good. It was pretty good, yeah. Returns was better. Uh, it had a 3D driving element. Oh. Controversial for Arkham fans, because Arkham did, and that wasn't very good. That was not very no. good. I love sneak cars, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, also, then there was that really weird Batman Forever game, where it was like Mortal Kombat, yeah. I think, but... Yeah, that's. Really, I've never played Batman Returns, the video game, it's re- which I probably really should rectify. I'm just really old. That's yeah. how I remember it. I, I played the animated series 2D game, which I really, really liked. Mm, and then okay. after that, my first Batman video game that I ever played was the Batman Vengeance game, which I did a little editorial on What Culture Gaming a while back. And that game is terrifying. It's like a lost episode of the new Batman Adventures, and it's just super... Do- when you're five, five playing that game, okay. <laughs> uh, the memories coming back. Yeah, when you're five playing that game and Joker is gassing people and there's lots of creepy. The fact that you're Batman, like when you're young, you're fine because it's like, oh, Batman will save the day, he's Batman. But then when you're given the responsibility of being Batman at such <laughs> oh, a no. young age, I'm that's Batman. absolutely terrifying. And I think there, is, there does need to be more love for those old Batman games because 
you know, I've been replaying the Arkham games right now, and I do think they're a watershed moment in the superhero genre when it comes to video games, but oh boy, those, those stories don't hold up as much as you might think they do. No. Um, but yeah, cool. Zoe, what is your Well, mode? I've also picked three that weren't in the list, because I thought, oh, I right. read the list, I didn't want to be like, <laughs> here it is again. Uh, so I did some... I did some niche research. Uh, and there's actually, I'd forgotten, one of my favorite ever Batman fights is actually when Batman fights Prometheus. I don't know if you remember him. from Ed. The second fight they have is in Justice League America 38. It's in the 2000 series. Uh, and basically, Prometheus is, like, unstoppable. He's got this helmet that has programmed him, so he has all these sweet martial arts skills. Uh, and because he's learning it so quickly, because he can just program it into his helmet, there's, like, no way of beating him. Uh, until until uh, Batman finds like the program for the helmet, uh, basically hacks into it, replacing it with the uh, physical abilities of instead renowned scientist Stephen Hawking. This is Grant Morrison, isn't it? <laughs> this is Grant Morrison. This is Grant Morrison. <laughs> yes, in his truest form. Mm. Uh, I think it's just it's such a clever little move. Like so often they do sort of revert to like, and then Batman punches someone in an unusual way. Whereas this was like Batman does some research and he comes back like a week later and he's like actually. I am better than you. Uh, so it stuck out in my mind as a, a nice little a nice little moment. It's a great comic, that Justice League comic, because that kind of came around just before the animated series did, and they used that lineup in the cartoon, and there's that really great moment where uh, kind of, again, in ba- reiterating Batman overcoming the odds and taking down someone who is far greater than he in practical terms when he takes on all the white martians and all the other leaguers are just kind of captured and just does that himself i like how morrison always gives batman those moments in the justice league like he did the same in final crisis when he takes down dark side like he, he dies in that confrontation but he <laughs> does fire the the fatal bullet that ends up you know taking down the lord of apocalypse and it kind of reiterates that you know even though batman is a human he is still fully capable of kicking your butt so that is pretty appreciated uh my moment is going to be Batman Beyond. Just Batman Beyond. Just the creation of Batman Beyond. Because obviously everyone who's anyone who who probably grew up on Batman animated series had all the VHSs and I always try to catch them when I could on TV. And then when I kind of, I don't know how I acquired this. My parents probably found it and then just, you know, bought it. It was like, oh, this is Batman. You'll like that. And then I watched it and it was the, when they used to do them in volumes. So it wasn't like a case of like, here is the first season of Batman Beyond or here is the second season yeah. of just, they would like be volumes. You'd have little itty bits of episodes to go with you. And they made like basically what was effectively a movie. It was like the first two episodes or three episodes of the Batman Beyond cartoon, which is Terry McGuinness's origin. And uh, yeah, I think it's one of the most interesting, clever reinterpretations of the character's mythos that we've ever had. And something that's constantly underappreciated. And even at the time, it was quite divisive. People were there thinking, you basically got this Spider-Man-like Batman in the future, and, you know, Bruce is old. There could only be one Batman. What are you on about? And then, you know, time would prove that it would literally be one of the most intelligent kind of incarnations of Batman in any medium. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love that series so much. Will Friedel, great as Terry McGuinness. The aesthetic, the entire neo-noir, it like, Blade Runner vibe is so cool. And also, fun fact, Darwin Cook, the uh, the writer and artist behind Batman Ego and, you know, DC The New Frontier and all other sorts of amazing things, he actually storyboarded that really awesome intro at the beginning. And, uh, again, don't know how I've acquired this, but I literally have the soundtrack to Batman Beyond at home, just in one of those random slip cases, and used to listen to it all the time, just randomly, because it it's was there. It's a good theme. Um, but, yeah, Batman Beyond... And Return of the Joker specifically. I think Return of the Joker is my favorite Batman movie ever. Like, just in 
completely overrides anything with the live action stuff. And also, I do think it is slightly superior to Mask of the Phantasm. It's kind of, you know, apples and origins there. But, like, I just, I love that story so much. And the flashback sequence with Joker's last story is, like, it just puts it into another tier and kind of, you know, reiterates the balance between light and dark that Batman has. I don't know if you guys ever enjoyed Batman Beyond. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting because, like, yeah, like you were saying, for a while, I remember uh, people sort of had this reaction where it's like, there can't be another Batman there's one Batman and I think that was sort of the bit where people were like well he's quite a good Batman so because I, I think otherwise say the storyline where Dick Grayson becomes Batman I think people would have really considered that controversial if it hadn't sort of laid the foundry work for it uh, I was a massive fan of it as I was with all of the Batman animations I was a little bit too old to to watch it probably. I was the four when it first came well, out. Well, you were a little too young. <laughs> I was, I it was would explain six. a lot. I was six at that time. I'm very well adjusted as an adult. I have no terrifying <laughs> no. fears of glowy blight man or sp- was it Shriek or Spiral or Ink, the, the three really weird villains. I have no fears whatsoever. I think old man Bruce Wayne is the best part of it. Like I, I love Terry as well. And I love the idea of having a different Batman and it being set in the same world as the animated series but it, it was just cranky old Bruce was my favourite part about the whole thing also Ace the Bat Hound completely reimagined the episode yeah. where he finds Ace it's just heartbreaking and I'm a sucker for sad dog stories I know I just I love that one beyond it's so clever but yeah Cy what is your next moment um, well I haven't even started my moment yet mine was a precursor oh, but precursor I'm going moments. to go with one which is quite controversial because it's not from a universally loved Batman film, although lots of people love it. It's The Dark Knight Rises, mm. which I didn't love when it first came out. I, I thought it was really good, but I wasn't like, it's up there with The Dark Knight, and I think it was sort of hamstrung by the fact that the, fil- the film before it was so good. But Tom Hardy's Bane is amazing. Everything about him, he's, the, he's what I wanted Bane to be on film from the comics. Admittedly, I wrote something yesterday saying that Bane in Joel Schumacher's world looked great. Yes. Because the Lucia thing is really good. The the poison and stuff was just absolute nonsense, but he looked the part. And and I was a little bit reluctant when Tom Hardy's look was revealed because it was it was very Nolan, like it, it's just tactical uh, combat gear mm. and a silly mask. And then the voice happened, and, oh. and the, the world lost its mind about it. But I thought it was just like, uh, it's all right. It's for the okay. prologue, was it, when they revealed it for the first yeah. time? I remember I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. I was like... <laughs> it was a little bit daft. I went, I actually went all the way down to Bradford, where they had one of the big IMAX screens. I went to see Mission Impossible, not Fallout, the one before Ghost that. Protocol. Yes, Ghost Protocol. Protocol. Yeah. The prologue played before that. Ah. So we got like the the whole airplane scene and I was blown away completely but it's not that scene it's where Bane breaks Batman Mm. so I like really dark moments from the Batman comics I like when he loses basically Um, because it it adds to his humanity more I don't want him to be like Wolverine Mm -hmm. where he just learns new powers all the time and actually seeing Tom Hardy's character like push him into the... Like, in that series, Batman has it as his whole way, all the, all the way through those first two Nolan films. He's, he can't do any of the things that have made him as powerful as he is up to that point. He's, all of his symbolism is, like, 
thrown away completely because Bane's just like, I'm just going to beat the absolute snot out of you. And I just think it's a really great moment that's totally undermined by the fact that the end of Bane's story is nonsense mm-hmm. in that film and by Talia being revealed as the main villain. But as a, as a sequence in itself, all of the cinematography, the framing, the character work even is just really good. And I, I think it deserves more love. Mm. Did you read Nightfall before Dan Harris's year? Yeah, I did. Um, quite a while before, I think. Mm. And I loved it. Like I, I re- I'm a really big fan of Bane. I think he's a I think he's a great character. I wish he would come back in a more substantial way. Mm. You uh, might want to start reading the new Batman comic. Is he in the no, new? No spoilers, <gasps> spoilers. for anyone. Yeah. Good. But, I will. Uh, it's been it's been some stuff actually. Actually, that leads perfectly on because one of mine is about Bane. Mm. So we can go, go from Bane. Although Same I will ways. say, uh, me and my friends used to quote the. Uh, by the time that you uh, saw the. Like I was already a man, like, mm. just because it's you can replace it with anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's still quite good as long as you do a bad enough Bane voice. Despite Tom Hardy's Bane being memed to high heaven, um, I still think he's a genuinely compelling villain. And the Dark Knight oh, really? Rises, yeah, the Dark Knight Rises one is a weird for me. I constantly go back and forth on the Nolan films. It's so peculiar. I can never decide which one I, I like the most. Uh, I think begins probably the consistently is pro- just aesthetically. I, I'm a big sucker for any Gotham that looks supernatural and otherworldly. Yeah. Um, so when that kind of they they divested from that aesthetic for Dark Knight, I was a bit like, eh, kind of. Um, Dark Knight Rises is such an interesting case because Bane in that film, you know, like you said, aesthetically definitely not like the Bane of the comics, but you know, in tactically and 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 in terms of how ruthless he is, they get it. Spot on, yeah, which totally. I think. Um, and yeah, we were talking about Bane the other day, and you were saying how like probably one of your favorite Batman villains, and people just, tend to just over under like just completely underestimate his ability to just r- cause mayhem with his brain. He's almost like a sort of villain Bruce Wayne because everyone looks at him, and they're like, oh, he's really strong. He's wearing a luchador mask, like he's just a strong boy. Mm. He's like, actually, I'm one of the smartest Batman villains. Mm. Hello, mm. Uh, I have a real soft spot yeah. for that. You should definitely read the new Batman stuff. It's really I good. Will. So. Um, but yeah, Zoe, what's your uh, next moment? For evidence, I will talk about Batman 74, which mm. is, I mean, the newest one came out to yesterday? Today? Today. I read, I read it either way. Yeah. Um, so I won't spoil that one because that is quite, quite Bane-centric. Um, but in 74, basically, uh, since Batman 50, uh, where Batman and Catwoman have a, a Bat-Vorse. A Bat-Vorse? <laughs> what would you call someone leaving you at the altar? It's not the altar, it's a rooftop. Yeah, it's a rooftop. Is that, what do you Sad? Jilted. Jilted? Bat jilted. A jilted Batman. Yeah. So from 50, where we find out that Catwoman sort of leaves Batman because of Bane indirectly. Again, without... Understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just I mean, leaves him for <laughs> Bane. So I'm sorry, look at this big fella right here. I need him more than I need you, Batman. He's got a teddy bear. Yeah, he look does. Go. Um, so basically... Like, from there to 74 is just Batman getting repeatedly, like, dunked on. He gets kidnapped uh, and then goes through this brainwashing period where, like, they just show him what his life could have been with Catwoman and then have her die. Yeah, like, nice. like, like, again and again until he's like, okay, guys, like, I get it. I'm sad <laughs> His now. nephew also changes his name, or his, his, his adopted son changes his name to Rick. Sort of goes nuts. <laughs> sort of everyone in his life he loves just sort of starts to leave uh he gets beat up like every other comic really bad see this is heavily my sort mm-hmm. of thing <laughs> but it's also you, you start to get to the point where you're like ah come on now give the guy, <laughs> give the guy a break and while it doesn't totally happen it sort of happens in 74 uh where thomas wayne because sort of an evil alternate version of his dad has showed up to team up with bane because his life just wasn't difficult enough no. in the first place 
Uh, so they go to this thing called the Name Pit, which is a more powerful version of the Lazarus Pit that Rachel Gold uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just they just duke it out. They just fight so hard. And Thomas is like understandably confused because what he's saying is like, look, your parents died. I'm your parents. Why are we <laughs> Why are we fighting? Uh, and Bruce says probably one of the most interesting lines they've written in Batman for a while, which is uh, he says like essentially that the important thing is that his parents died and he lived. Uh, and I think one of the most interesting aspects of Batman is the way that he's sort of a metaphor for overcoming grief in a positive way and sort of using it to fuel yourself in like a way that doesn't just destroy you. Uh, and in this, I think it was probably the best example because he literally looks at the life he could have because they're there to resurrect Martha who Bruce has hidden in the desert because he's like no we aren't doing this I've had my parents come back from <laughs> no <me."> dad <laughs> we've had this conversation before <laughs> essentially literally Thomas opens the coffin and it's full of rocks turns to Bruce and Bruce is like you knew you knew this would happen <laughs> um, and I think it was just because obviously there there's that sort of idea that he could have had his parents back if he'd had less morals and less sort of uh, a willingness to overcome his suffering. He could have just given in and said, yeah, I'll have my parents back. My dad's kind of evil, but I mean, you know, silver linings. Uh, but he looks at, you know, what could have been a good situation after all this stuff has happened. And he says, no, like, I'm better than that. Uh, I'm not just going to give in to the thing that sort of defined me because I'm still using it for good reasons. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. That sounds amazing. I really need I'm I'm absolutely like Tra- I'm trade waiting for Tom King stuff. I read it all the way up to the wedding, and then I was just kind of like, maybe I need to take a pause and just wait until it all comes out in one big go. But that sounds so fascinating, especially because even though we had it down on the list that Thomas Wayne's introduction in Flashpoint, that twist where you go to this different reality, and then it's actually, you know, you think it's Bruce, who's this evil brooding Batman, but it's actually Thomas. That itself is an amazing twist. And I've kind of been really surprised by how they've used that character in the years following, because we had the button, which was the, like, the, the tease for Doomsday Clock in uh, DC Rebirth. And then, like you said, he's kind of coming at this thing now, and at first, your initial reaction is, oh, I thought he was closed off forever, but now he's back, and you're doing loads of really interesting conversations about, you know, Batman, what would Batman do if he had the opportunity to get his relatives back? And kind of, again, like you say, he completely distinguishes himself from different superheroes, because I feel as though a lot of superheroes, even though people kind of think of 
Marvel's characters being more flawed and DC's heroes being something we all aspire to be, they are still humans at the end of the day and they all still make a great many screw-ups. So, you know, Batman being the best of us all in those instances, despite the fact that he is an idiot in a great many ways, um, that's really inspiring. Um, And I never really think people kind of pick up on the grief aspect i think he can be mischaracterized yeah. so easy as like oh he's never gotten over the death of his parents but i think it's much more interesting to think he he totally has mm-hmm. it's the fact that he doesn't want it to happen to anyone else is why he puts on a weird bat suit and hangs out at night completely agree i think when people kind of think oh he's just taking out his childhood issues and a bunch of you know poverty-stricken criminals it completely misses the point of batman you know he's he constantly suits up because he never wants to have another child go through what he did when he was young and i think the films yeah. miss the point yeah. in that respect and i think a lot of people get their ideas of batman from the films it was mm. only ironically affleck's batman that even went anywhere near um him dealing with grief mm. which is a shame i'd like to see that more probably will with my yeah. doing it. Here's hoping so, because I'm actually going to talk about a comic that is tying into Reeves' <coughs> film, potentially, because he posted a tweet a few years back saying uh, what comics he's been reading in anticipation God, of kind a of... few years back. Yeah, His I know. I know, it's ridiculous. What, what, it was 2016 it was announced? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It, it's ridiculous. Anyway, he kind of talked about all these different books that he was looking at when crafting this new vision of Batman. And to me... One of the great many cliches of Batman is that people tend to think that Batman is the real person and that Bruce Wayne is just a complete just apparition. Bruce Wayne yeah. has serves no purpose and he is just a completely expendable object. You know, when Bruce, his parents were, were killed and when he was eight years old, he is just, he ceased to exist and that's when Batman took over. I think that's all a load of rubbish. And uh, no book kind of reiterates that more than Darwin Cook's Batman Ego. And I've talked about this comic so many times. I'm sure people are absolutely bored to death of me mentioning it literally every other video. Um, But Ego is just the most amazing look at the dichotomy between Batman and Bruce and basically taking a step back and looking at how both aspects have informed the character over the years and then reaching this amazing triumphant conclusion of, well, yes, Batman is dark, but Bruce Wayne is the light to balance it and both have to make peace with each other in order to exist as one. And... Ego does this in such a stunning atmospheric way because basically at the start of the comic, Bruce Wayne is tra- tra- uh, tracking down this uh, this thug who's going on the run. He's basically caused loads of traffic accidents on his way out of the city. He's leaving because he's been implicated with um, a crime by the Joker. And um, he previously informed to Batman about what the Joker was getting up to. So Batman chases him up to the top of this bridge and he's about to throw himself off. And basically, Batman tries to save him, and then the the villain basically is there saying, "I killed my my wife and kids because I was terrified of what the Joker Joker found out. I was terrified what Joker was going to do." And then he pulls out a gun and shoots himself right in front of Batman. And obviously, in a way, Batman is culpable for this death because he, you know, gotten this guy to basically rat out on the most you know insane, unpredictable, most brutal, violent man in all of Gotham City. And that forces him to just basically reappraise his entire being. You know, what am I doing? Do I have to reevaluate my methods? Have I succumbed too far to the darkness? And it kind of resolves from that point on to say, well, maybe I shouldn't be Batman if I'm causing more harm than good. And then basically the spirit, the darkness, you know, appears in front of him. And they just have a running dialogue. And they take him all through his childhood, all the way through, you know, seeing Thomas as a as a doctor, seeing Martha and, like, seeing basically what he grew up with. And then coming to that end sequence where he basically just has that that debate with himself. And I find that really interesting because, yeah, I think Bruce Wayne 
And, and I think also people fundamentally misread the point when they try and split them up into two. I think it's always been one unit. Otherwise, what is the point in having Bruce Wayne at all, you know? Again, the, the films sort of misrepresent that. Mm. Uh, I think that's a, a problem with it. Michael Keaton did a really good job of splitting the characters, and but having it seem like Bruce Wayne was the performance. But there was two. The, the thing that people don't really talk about with that performance is there's two Bruce Waynes mm-hmm. and one Batman. Yeah. Just as there is with Christian Bale's, like there's public-facing Batman, uh, public-facing Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. then there's the real Bruce Wayne, then there's Batman, and they're all different stages of performances, basically. Mm. Well, well, that sounds really good. It's sort of one of those things, because with a lot of like more stoic, more badass heroes, it's sort of, you don't have them like genuinely with emotions mm. that often. Mm. Whereas I would say the, the entire idea of Batman is like, Although he's the most closed-off person in the world, that's because he, he, he has a lot of feelings, mm. <laughs> uh, and it's sort of because you can't you can't go and fight crime while you're crying. Uh, <laughs> so it's sort of that I guess that dichotomy between like yeah, outside he's the most stone-cold guy in the world, but he's also the one who had a bowl of popcorn with Jason Todd yeah. before he died. Yeah, I always prefer my Batman to have I like I like him being a father, and you know. Trying. Like a person? Yeah, yeah like a person. I, I, I enjoy Batman being a person, basically, and I always feel as though you, d- you take away something from the character when you try and say that Bruce Wayne just isn't a thing. But whatever, I've ranted long enough, so <laughs> what was your next moment? Um, because around these pots we love Batman Returns, I've mm-hmm. already mentioned them. It's Ewan's favourite Batman film. <laughs> Mine as well, actually. Um, I want to talk about Catwoman. Mm. So it's Catwoman's transformation, basically, so Lena Kyle's transformation in Catwoman. I really, really love Tim Burton, or I did up until he started making really bad films, yes. which was a shame. Yes, he's, he's a little bit back now, <laughs> but he's just not the same as he was <laughs> back then. Um, and in Batman Returns, he made the the purest expression of his just absolute like unhingedness. His, ima- his imagination was just ran wild, and the villains in that. Batman film are, I think, my favourite two, even more than the Joker, I would say, because the Penguin is the best designed villain in any of those films. Down to, like, you have this idea of a guy who is grotesque and awful, but has an idea of what he thinks looking elegant and opulent is, and you get them two clashing at the same time, and it's just this monstrous creation, and it's just wonderful. And it's very Burton as well. But then you get dominatrix yes. Catwoman who's no made her, yeah, there is no, <laughs> who is my favourite costume not because of the dominatrix <laughs> element but because um, I just think it, it's it's so perfect the idea of her sort of cobbling it together and, and this second skin where she's already got one from coming back to life and that, that whole sequence of her being killed and then coming back to life is it's like touching and tragic but it's quite funny in a really dark way, and it's really, really like pure expression of Tim Burton, and I just love it. Mm. I, I could watch that bit over and over again, which seems quite perverse. She's very cartoony in the first yeah. start of that film, which I think, I mean, the, the entire film, really, but I love that. I think you're right. There is an element of kind of black comedy to the way she constantly is getting dunked on, and yeah. then eventually it comes to a head in this, this feline explosion, and... Uh, I don't know. I I love that scene so much. I always one scene that I always see people kind of reference is like you know one perfect shot or whatever. You have that brilliant bit where her neon signage changes to "This yeah. is Hell." Yeah, I think that's amazing. And returns is 
a wonderful film. I love that opening moment where you see the bat signal coming to Wayne Manor as well. I mean, Michael Keaton is just there brooding. And he looks up and he stands yeah, up. Oh, yeah, it's the, wonderful. The, that, in terms of Batman film imagery, that one's like yeah. up there. That and him standing on a gargoyle. <laughs> I had a full arc with that film because I remember watching Batman and Robin when I was very young. My dad then went to the local uh, VHS rental store and picked the Batman Returns thinking, oh, Ewan likes Batman. This will be good. I was this about, will haunt his dreams. I was about four life. at the time. And I got to the bit where uh, Catwoman, uh, in, a, in a very good scene, might I add, she like literally, you know, scars that dude who's attacking that woman. It absolutely terrified me. The nails and stuff. I, I had nightmares about, I just ended up bursting into tears and my dad had to switch off the TV and I didn't watch another Batman film for another, well, live action one another four years until Batman, I got a chance to watch Batman forever. But yeah. Um, so what's your next moment? How much is this podcast therapy for you? Right? Might I think Batman has been around for a long time in my life when I was very young and I could talk endlessly about how terrifying the Batman animated series title cards were. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I'll take you from terrifying to a very sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you, as you can tell, the best Batman is in fact a, a very soft Batman. <laughs> um, one of the first Batman comics I've read was The Long Halloween. Mm. Uh, and it is suitably terrifying. It's my favorite. It, for a lot of it. Yeah, there's a lot of usual comic shenanigans. Uh but I always remember it, always stuck in my mind. There's like three panels where it shows Batman, like at the end of all this ridiculousness, like he's gotten three shades beaten out of him. He goes down into the sewers where um, Solomon Grundy is and he leaves a little, a little Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's the first time I cried at a comic. Yeah. Let's get some therapy in this room. Oh, Grundy. Just, just for that moment of seeing like after all this, after all this brutality, He's like, oh, better not forget, got to take this little dinner down for my boy. <laughs> um, kind of the, as much as it is important that obviously Batman does fight crime, mm. I think seeing that sympathy he has for people, because um, as much as he has to be brutal, I think the, the moments where we see like how much he sympathizes and empathizes with them, so like the stuff with Hush uh, when he goes to visit Thomas, uh, any of the stuff with the Riddler, he's often quite like, oh, you've... You poor smart boy. <laughs> um, but it was especially nice because obviously Solomon Grundy doesn't really have a choice as to whether he gets to be a villain or not. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that moment. I completely forgotten about that. Long Halloween is a stunning read. And yeah, Batman rehabilitating his, his enemies is such an interesting... I think, you know, we kind of, again, the, it's been easy to dunk on the whole Arkham Asylum vilifying the mentally ill for a long time. But, you know, Batman, even though he does meet violence with violence, he is often very invested in, you know, rehabilitating these people because none more so than Spider-Man, I think. You you look at Batman's Rose Gallery and consider most to be very sympathetic and you can see how, well, yes, in many ways, a lot of them are just one bad day away from taking this tumble down and Grundy, oh, bless him. That that entire... I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I just remember looking at it. My brain not really thinking about it. I turn the page, I turn it back. I just like... <clears throat> little, little child <laughs> tears. Tear. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. I think that idea of Batman um, looking after all the grotesques and the freaks is the, is the best thing of Tim Burns' films mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Because it's his Gotham. All of these people are fundamentally broken, but they're no more freakish than he is. Mm. And they are the people that he is protecting from the worst versions of them. Mm. I think that's a yeah. nice thing. Cool. I'm going to go on to my last point now, which is Batman Year One. And as someone who's. I'm not big on Frank Miller. I really think that the stuff he did on Daredevil back in the 80s is incredible. It's my favorite stuff he's ever done. Um, I like The Dark Knight Returns. I think it's a very interesting read. Everything else after 
not so much. Um, but year one, um, I think is an incredible story because in many ways it's more of a Commissioner Gordon story than it is a Batman story. We see it basically mostly through Gordon's eyes um, up until the point where Batman announces himself to Gotham. And I've never seen a more perfectly framed series of panels in a comic book ever. And, you know, David Mazzuccelli, I don't know why he's not doing comic book stuff anymore. He did Daredevil Born Again and he did Year One, but I I haven't seen him do much else since. But basically, Batman crashes this uh, banquet. It's the complete, you know, zenith of bourgeois excess. You've got, like, um, Commissioner Loeb, who is the corrupt um, head of the GCPD. You've got Carmine Falcone there. You've got basically all of Gotham's elite, wealthy, and corrupt. And Batman just cuts the power, throws an explosive bomb at the wall, walks in, shrouded in smoke, and he gives this amazing monologue about how um, they've eaten well, but you've like you've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit. And from, but then just from that, he just goes from this day on, none of you is safe. And he has the, the only light in the room at that point is just one little candle. And then he takes the the what do you call those little banquet little serving revealing things where you put it on cloche. a cloche. A cloche. He takes the cloche and just puts an awful word. It is cloche. And he takes the cloche and he puts it over the candle, and then just darkness and. Oh, I've never been I've never been more terrified of Batman, but also like hell yeah. Which is why Kevin Smith, the widening guy, when he revealed that Batman had a little bit of a wee at that moment <laughs> is is unforgivable. I don't talk yes. about that. No. I tried to minimize my memory of Yeah, I think with Frank Miller, it sort of goes like it gets less good the further on as you because I read uh some of his later stuff and mm. I you know a moment where like <laughs> you see sort of a a cry for help from a friend that you love dearly and you're like, oh, how Was did we get All-Star here? Robin? All it Star may or may not have yeah. been All-Star Batman and Robin. <laughs> I feel the same way about Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they Batman. should get together and have a few drinks. No. no. I think if Tim Burton gets back with Danny DeVito for films, it's all going to be okay. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, that is probably, it's probably the single most intimidating you ever see Batman because obviously you see, you see him generally spooking people out but there's not there's never been such a like impactful moment as him essentially showing up at a collection of villains and being like, hey, it's time. It, you guys need to start being afraid of things. It's me. I'm the thing. Mm. And then he just disappears. It's just great. I love that moment so much. Like, I'm yeah. here. I'm fear. Get over it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Can we get that on a shirt? <laughs> we should, yeah. Cool. But yeah, those are, we've all done three now, haven't we? Was... I haven't, but my last one yep. is just uh, the first time he says, I'm Batman. Mm. It's like the, the most BDE moment of any superhero <laughs> movie ever. Maybe I mean, Iron Man then tried to steal it, but it did. just didn't work as well. No. It's just perfect. It's really good. I just wanted to go back to year one slightly. Mm-hmm. So imagine a world where we got Darren Ar- Aronofsky's version of year one <sighs> yeah. on film, and it would have how much that would have ruined it. Yes. It's basically the most bonkers Batman film that didn't get made. The concept for the suits looked interesting. Some of it had yeah. some pretty good ideas, but it was the idea of him being brought up by mechanics and being... A training mechanic, and then also being sort of Oliver Twist at the same time. It's just, I don't understand what was going on in his head. But then I've watched some of Aronofsky's, Aronofsky's more recent films, and I totally understand what was going on in his head. It was just him being very, very odd. Yeah, because he was going to do the Wolverine as well, yep. and then he didn't do that. And now I'm just kind of like, Darren, what's going on? What do you want to do with these comic book characters? He wants to ruin them. Yeah. Like, it's not about ruining for him. It's about... It's a similar sort of thing to... Zack Snyder always said, I don't want to make a Batman and Superman film because mm-hmm. I don't get superheroes like that. So mm-hmm. instead he deconstructed them with Watchmen and then Warner Brothers went, 
oh, you can make superhero films, do that again. And then he deconstructed <laughs> Batman <laughs> and Superman. And Aronofsky wanted to do the same thing, but he wanted to make them his characters. And it's just like, your versions of those characters aren't as good as the comics ones. Exactly. Do you have another one, Zoe, or was that all your three as well? Uh, that, was, that was my fresh. Because I can't count. But anyway, that was, uh, that was our little talk on Batman's 80 greatest moments. There were definitely not 80 in this podcast, but... Almost. Almost. You can go read the full article over at whatculture.com. I'll probably put a link in the description so you can go find it. But as always, I've been you, and you can follow me on Twitter at Hearing Ruins Things. I've been joined by Zoe Muskelly. Still Zoe, and still at Zoe Muskell on Twitter. And by Sam Gallagher. Hello. Goodbye. That's <laughs> I, Gallagher. Yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm Rush. <laughs> if you haven't already, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and head back on over to whatculture.com where you can find more stuff like this every day. So, we'll see you next time. Bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.